All right, the scripture today uh, comes out of Psalm, uh, the Psalm 68, verses 4 through 10. Let me read that for you. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. Get this. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is the God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain. Before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel, you gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it. And from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. Let's pray together. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're a good, good God. You're an everlasting Father. And we thank you that you've poured out your blessings on us. So continue to anoint our worship with the presence of Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. Use this time together, God. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the midst of this series entitled, Naming the Baby. And, you know, I got to thinking about how our family went through the process of naming our children. And with that first one, two of the three are sitting on the front row. And with that first one, we were running ahead of the game. I mean, by the, by the time we got to the second trimester, we knew. The gender was revealed. It was going to be a boy, and we named him Jacob Timothy. Jacob Timothy Stephen. We had that one picked out early. Now, when that second one came, we kind of wanted to be surprised, so we waited for the gender to be revealed at birth. And it was a girl. The physician yelled out loud, it's a girl. And, and I got to tell you, I was pumped. I mean, I was pumped about all three, but I was excited. And we, we had it narrowed down to two. Rachel or Rebecca. And we went with Rebecca with the biblical spelling. So the day of the birth, the moment of the birth, we kind of knew, didn't we, Delia? Right? Do you remember that? Good. <laughs> I mean, that was a big event. And, and then I think about that third. I, I mean, we hadn't really had time to think about a name. The other two were kind of up under our feet. And we were distracted. And so we hadn't really pulled aside and said, what are we going to name this one? And we had the gender revealed early at that time. And we knew it was going to be a boy. And we thought, let's do something a little different. One, two. And so we went, we thought about Roscoe. What do you think? <laughs> Just kidding. Old family name. No, we thought, okay, maybe, maybe Jackson. You may not have known this. 
or Jordan. And we couldn't decide. And the paperwork was due, and the nurse came in, and she said, you know, really, before you leave the hospital, we've got to have a name. And, and, and so we went with the one we felt like fit well, and it has fit well with Jordan. A pastor this week told me that he named about, he, he gave off the name, he read off the name of an infant that had been born in the life of their church. A young couple had a baby, and he read off the name. Well, during the week, during the week, they changed the name of the baby. And so he stated a new name for the same child the next Sunday. Naming the child. It's important because you want it to reflect some things. You want it to reflect your thoughts and prayers. You want it to reflect maybe a legacy that's part of your family. You want it to have meaning. So that when you say that name, it means something. Well, Isaiah helps us because he gives us a sense of what the baby will be named. We know the name of Jesus, but he says, ah, it's last week wonderful counselor, but the week before that, prince of peace. Next week, mighty God, but today I want us to look at everlasting father. And I'd like for us to look at the adjective, everlasting, that precedes Father first. Because that has so much to do with the eternal nature of God. You see, we, we live in a finite sense of time. We are captured in time. It's very, it's, it's very temporal, uh, temporary. But with God, it is eternal. He has called the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. With Him, really, there is no beginning and there is no end. I remember lying in my bed and I asked my dad a deep theological question when I was a little boy. And maybe you've asked this. I said, Dad, who was before God? And he said, God has always been. And that's what the scripture tells us. That God is eternal in existence without end, everlasting. And the wonderful thing about the everlasting part is it has embedded some synonyms, some words that are synonymous with it. Words like everlasting, ever-present, consistent trustworthy forever. God is not going away. It's like that worship song that we sing sometimes in here. You reign forever. You do not faint. You won't grow weary. That's exactly right. God is, He was, and He will always forever be. And his character does not change. The powerful thing about Christmas is while his character never changed, he took on a different 
form. He took on the likeness of humanity. Now think about that a minute. That's a mystery. And it's a hard mystery to understand. And I'm not sure we can fully get our heads around it, but we can maybe use an analogy. One of the analogies I, I use, and all analogies have limits, but, but the one I like is the understanding of the Godhead, the Trinity. It's part of our Orthodox faith. And sometimes you'll hear, maybe in a traditional service, or even in the liturgy that we use in here for communion, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And I like the analogy when asking the question, how can you have three in one? Well, when we think about Father, <clears throat> when we think about Son, and we think about Holy Spirit, I like water, or excuse me, H2O as a property. H2O as a property. It has three forms, right? What are they? One is liquid. We know it as water. Yes. Steam is a gas form of H2O. And then the other in a solid form would be ice. Very good. Yes. And so we have these different forms, but it has the same property. And so really all of those are manifestations of one thing in three different forms. And so it is that we have the Godhead, the Trinity, in the same way. And so how is it that Isaiah says he will be an everlasting father and yet we see him as an infant in Jesus? He comes in a different form. God entered our time and space and dwelt among us and walked among us and experienced everything that we'll ever experience. And when he returned to heaven, he could have gotten that t-shirt that said, been there, done that, when he looked at earth. And so, this everlasting Father, He will be named Everlasting Father. Now, for some of us, a Father figure is someone that has been, what, consistent and present and kind and compassionate. Maybe when you conjure up in your mind or think through what is a Father to you, you think of those words. And you know, I think of those words when I think of my own Father. And yet, the image of God is so developed by our parental figures that in some cases, that was damaged. We as parents are skylights to God for our children. And how they see us oftentimes has to do with how they see God. God concepts. And maybe some of you today had just the opposite. Maybe your understanding of a father was one that was inconsistent, that was cruel, that was absent, that lacked any kind of compassion. Well, 
God knows full well that we as human beings are imperfect. And maybe Isaiah said such a thing because he knew that there would be that damaged relationship and we need a father. For the psalm says that we read, he is a father to the fatherless. And so why is it important for us to think about the heavenly father? Why is it important for us to think through this name of the baby everlasting father? Well, one reason is we have a lot of good theological words out there, creator, divine other, spirit, another entity, God, the Lord. But sometimes those have a distance. Good theological words, but there's a chasm there. And I really believe that one of the names given to the babe was for the sake of, for the purpose of intimacy. Understanding that God's love is likened to that parental figure that is healthy, that is whole, and is able to communicate in good ways. I mean, Jesus understood this. Remember some of the ways in which Jesus spoke to God. He said, when you pray, say, our Father. Now, it's okay if you use other words. But I think his point was that God is a God that you can draw near to as family. And then when he was in the garden, you'll remember, he, in a moment of agony, he said, Father, take this cup from me. And we've held that as, as very important as far as our understanding of who God is, because we've even written it into our creeds. In the Apostle Creed, uh, you'll hear in many churches, even today, They'll say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. So it's part of who we are as a church and our understanding of God as Father. Now, He is limited. We can't really describe Him by words because words are limiting. But this is one way that we come to understand God's love. In fact, Paul says, when you pray, say, Abba, Father. And that is a word that is even more endearing in terms of intimacy, that is like saying, Daddy, I come to you. And so today, I want to say to all of you, you have a father, an everlasting father, a God that wants to be in relationship with you, a God that will not step away from you, you see, there were deists in the early part of our nation who believed that God simply wound up the world and then let it go into motion and then stood apart. We have a God, I believe they were wrong, we have a God that has about him an intimacy, a drawing near. And you know, when I became a father, I began, and this is just my story, I began to understand a little bit more about that love, that joy and celebrating when one of my 
children achieve something small or the sacrifices that are made in parenting. And I didn't realize that I could love in that dimension. And it helps me to understand the kind of love that God has for me as a father. And so why is it important for us to reclaim God as Father, to celebrate that. Well, one reason is when we begin to understand that, we begin to understand the heart of God. We're, we're able to take that image and understand the very real passion of God. And His passion is to seek out and to pursue and to run down those He loves. And he died for all of the world. And he's the kind of God that is always searching. We see that in the Old Testament, in the Garden of Eden. You'll remember after the first sin was committed, Adam and Eve went and hid the first game of hide-and-seek. They didn't do it very well. And, and they hid, and when they were hiding, God asked this question, Where are you? He knew what had happened. He knew the story, but he still sought them out, even in their hiding, even in their sin. It reminds me of the story of the little boy. He was a mess. He was getting into trouble, misbehaving, and his mother had had all she could take. And she said, you are in big trouble. I'm coming after you. And man, he took off went upstairs and hid under the bed. Well, the father came home and she said, you've got to do something with him. I have had it. Go find him. And with that, the father went up the steps and he was calling out his name and he went over to the, the room and he looked under the bed and he saw him and he crawled up under the bed as he was hiding up under the bed. And he said, hey, buddy, we got to talk. And the little boy said, is she coming after you too? <laughs> He's a God that engages us even in our brokenness, even in our sin. One woman tells the story about when she was a little girl uh, and, and she was skateboarding and she scuffed up her her leg. In fact, she hurt herself pretty bad and her shin was bleeding and, and she, she came home and she had blood all over and, and the mother was in the house and the father was in the yard and the father said, lacking compassion. He could see she was badly hurt. All I've got to say is you better not get any of that blood on your mom's new car. We have a God that is compassionate and we can bring our wounds, our bruises, our brokenness. Maybe that's why we're drawn to the story that's in the scripture. In the 15th chapter of John, or in the gospel, we're in the midst of that. The story is told by Jesus of how son 
left his father. We know it is the prodigal son story. It's really about a loving father. Well, he goes and squanders all that he's been given in terms of his inheritance. He wanted it early. He goes to a distant land and he realizes, it says in the scripture, he came to his senses. They turned back toward home. That story says that when the father saw him from a distance, he began to run toward him. You know, one theologian says, really it should be called the prodigal father. Because the word prodigal means extravagantly wasteful. That father yelled back at his oldest son, the elder son, and said, get the fatted calf. The father had a robe and he put a ring on his finger. And he said he was once lost, but now he is found. That's our everlasting father. That's the one who loves us with a good, good love, a great love. Why is it important for us to reclaim a healthy understanding of God as Father, an everlasting Father, the name given, the baby? Well, one is understanding his heart, and his heart is that he longs for a relationship with us, whatever the cost. He couldn't stand the distance, and so he came and dwelt among us. That's the beauty of Christmas. The other is this, that in that we are given an identity. We are given an identity. Sometimes, uh, well, really, every time I baptize a baby now, I will hold the baby up, okay? And I will look at that baby, and the congregation can see the face of the baby, and I'll say, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. One time I did that, and the mother didn't give me a lot of warning. She had just fed the baby, and he just puked right all over me. <laughs> and theologically, that works, because we are children of God, and sometimes we puke right there in front of God. But all that's to say, we have an identity in Christ, we're a child of the Father. A Father that will go to great lengths for us. Over Thanksgiving, my family went up to Kentucky, and Jordan and Rebecca and Deal, you were there. And, and as we were there, I was with my dad, affectionately known as Papaw. Family name. And you know what was amazing was that they started calling me Papa on the way home because they saw all of that likeness of him in me, his build, his way of laughing at his own jokes, uh, his intonation. And you know what? I could hear it too. There was an identification with my own father. And I think the older I get, the more I see it. And I'll think, you know, that, that sounded like dad. 
Well, here's good news for us. That if we are in the embrace of an everlasting Father, we too take on His qualities. And you know, it's my prayer that that heavenly Father will be heard in me. That they'll see that likeness, that you'll see that likeness in me, that you'll hear his words in me. There's a scene where the young man is struggling with the death of his own father. And someone encourages him to hearken back to a memory, a good memory of his father. And so he began to describe it, and he said, you know, growing up in Minnesota at night, there was just nothing. It was plains, flat land. And as my dad would drive, there weren't any streetlights. It was a rural setting. And all I could see was this expanse of darkness. And he said, what I held out hope with was from the dashboard, the lighted dashboard gave off a glow that illuminated the hands of my father driving. And when it was just him and me, I could see his hands, and in the expanse of the blackness and the darkness, and not knowing really where we were going, I knew he was still in control. I knew his hands were still on the wheel. And so maybe that's why the name was given Everlasting Father. There is no beginning. There is no end to His presence, to His intimacy toward us. Let's pray together. Today, Father, I thank You for all of us and that we can reaffirm you as Father, as Heavenly Father, as Everlasting Father. And while we may not have always seen good examples because of the human condition, we thank you that you are a perfect God. Thank you for your heart that pursues us. And thank you that you're making us in your image. <laughs>